Hello and welcome to Capital Ideas. As often as we can, we'll sit down with members of the Democratic majority in the Washington State House of Representatives to give listeners an inside look at important aspects of how their citizen legislature works and who and what it's working for. Today we're talking with State Representative Tim Armsby. A Spokane Democrat who's served in the House for a decade now, Tim was one of the first guests on Capital Ideas. Back in 2009, he and his legislative assistant, Shannon Wechter, joined me to explain just how a legislative office works. It's a fascinating behind-the-scenes tour, and it's still one of our most listened-to programs. This time around, it's Tim alone, although for those who might be interested, he and Shannon are still a team. We're going to talk about a role he's just taken on this year, serving as vice chair of the House Appropriations Committee. Welcome back to Capital Ideas, Tim. Thank you very much for having me, Dan. Since the last time we talked to you, you've got a a new title here. You're vice chair of the House Appropriations Committee. And so that's what I want to talk about today is being a vice chair of a committee, period, but also working on that particular committee, which I think most people, particularly this year and really since the recession started, would agree is probably the key committee in the Washington State Legislature. The vice chair, generally speaking, uh, and this is the case for the budget committee, the House Appropriations Committee, is there to supplement and complement the efforts of the chair, who has a lot of responsibility and is the chief budget writer for Washington State House budget. There are many decisions to be made. There's a lot of information to go through. And oftentimes, the vice chair's responsibility is to vet out information to take assignments, to get information, speak with members about their priorities, speak with members about funding their concepts for education, health care, children, vulnerable adults, etc., and bring that information back to the chair uh, from the perspective of the members. It requires a lot of interaction with the members. You get to know them on an entirely different level, their priorities, what makes them tick, and why they wanted to be a member of the Washington State House of Representatives, and it comes through loud and clear uh, based on those priorities. It's it's exciting to be able to deal with people on that level. Essentially, you're responsible for everything and everybody, but then there's one person that you sit down with, and then that's where decisions are finally made. Yes, with a lot of input from others, with a lot of input from our nonpartisan staff who are second to none, Uh, with the partisan staff who are also there in a support role. Uh, We rely on them more than I can tell you, but there's still information that is not available to them or would be inappropriate for them to work on and on the political side. And that's a lot of the responsibility is finding out what people's priorities are and how that fits into our budget responsibility. Uh, How does working on the Appropriations Committee differ from your prior post as Vice Chair of Capital Budget or Agriculture and Natural Resources, any of the other committees that that you've been involved with? The main difference is the difference between policy committees and budget committees. Policy committees like Labor and Workforce Development or K-12 Education, Higher Education, Economic Development are about developing policies that may have a fiscal or financial implication 
but you're changing the policy. You're, you're trying to affect how we view the world through those eyes of higher education, et cetera. My previous post on agriculture and natural resources was about water and wildlife and fisheries uh, and different things and the policy side of those things. They did have some fiscal implications, but we didn't deal with that in the committee. Capital budget uh, was very interesting, very natural for me, be coming out of construction, being a concrete finisher, and the tangible assets that the capital budget funds, buildings and schools, uh, community centers and places for people to enjoy the arts. Uh, but the operating budget is unique in that it's about 10 times larger than the capital budget. And it's the state's checkbook. We pay for the types of things that a family would pay for out of their checking account, uh, which is the rent and food and health care co-payments. All those kind of things relate uh fairly well to the operating budget. And the capital budget is the things that are tangible assets that you might put on your credit card if you were a family. And the difference is the, the checkbook is about 10 times bigger than the credit card. The House Appropriations Committee has 31 members. That's almost a third of the entire population of the House of Representatives. Uh, you've also got 20 nonpartisan staff members, and then there are a few partisan staff members for the Republicans and also here on the Democratic side. That's bigger than a lot of, of reasonably big small businesses. How do you deal with the management aspect of that, forgetting politics for the moment, just as far as managing that many people and that many diverse people? I find that to be the most fascinating part of any of the things we do here in the legislature, but particularly because of the size of the committee, because of how important the operating budget is, generally speaking, and particularly this upcoming budget, uh, and how important that is. In fact, m most all of the other issues dwarf in comparison to that operating budget, given the challenges that we face. As far as the committee members, you know, uh, folks came to the legislature with some very strong opinions about what they believe in. One of the management issues that comes about is how we behave towards each other, uh, our relationships that we have both formally at the committee and informally when we interact with each other. And I think people should know that there, uh, with some exceptions, um, there is an extremely good relationship that gets developed between the members and that, that those relationships often are the key to being able to articulate your priorities and to have them funded in a way that benefits your constituents. There is a lot more goodwill, I think, between members than people imagine because it's not the thing that hits the media. It's not the thing that gets reported on. On the other hand, obviously when you get 31 people with reasonably strong egos who went out and ran for office and, and managed to get elected and then managed to get appointed to what most people agree is, is probably the most prestigious committee here in the House of Representatives, you're going to be able to count on having dissension. How do you deal with that? When you're hearing the same arguments over and over again, how closely can you tune in? Is it is it like being a parent where... There's a certain kind of listening that you do to your three-year-old as opposed to your 17-year-old? I think everyone that gets here deserves to be listened to. Uh, that uh, includes the public and not just the legislators. And so everyone deserves a chance. And because these folks were elected to represent 137,266 people, 
I guess they, uh, I really feel they, they do need to be listened to. I don't always agree with what I hear, but I, I think we all need to respect everyone's ability to voice their opinion and to state their priorities because they're representing quite a few folks back home. Whether or not uh, at the end of the day, the things that they want to do, will they be done? Um, a lot of that depends on how well that individual representing those people does in presenting their case and in providing the evidence to get there. So I think we should all have a very strong affection for the facts and for the evidence. And my only frustration is uh, when people make assertions that can't be backed up by the facts or the evidence. And I think calm conversations indicating that uh, those are the things I'm looking for as an individual legislator in my role as the vice chair um, hopefully that will resonate with folks and we'll be able to have a fact, evidence-based conversation. Every lawmaker down here works long hours. I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize is that the day tends to start with meetings well before 8 in the morning and often continues far past the time that most people have gone to bed because you're trying to compress so much work into a relatively short number of days. But the Appropriations Committee seems to work longer hours than any other committee. Sometimes your hearings, particularly close to key points in the session, you can sit in the same room for 12 hours. How do you deal with that? Do you have any special way of maintaining your energy and your attentiveness? Because it's important material, but you're just a human. By virtue of the fact that what we're talking about is some of the most important stuff that the state does, um, it captures my attention. Uh, but it can also be really fatiguing. I've noticed this year particularly as my first time in a leadership role on the Appropriations Committee how tired I am at the end of the day. I, I don't notice it while I'm here because what we're doing is fascinating. It captures my attention. I'm motivated to try and resolve some of the issues. But when that's done and I get home, I don't have any trouble going to sleep. Though some of the issues that we're dealing with are the type of things that would keep you awake at night. But I, I know that just by keeping our shoulder to the wheel and pushing forward. That's the only way that we're going to get through this. Uh, I heard a quote from somewhere, might have been Winston Churchill, it might have even been a country song, I'm not sure, but uh, uh, something to the effect of, if you're going through hell, the only way to get out is to keep going. So we're just going to keep going. We're going to keep doing the real blue-collar work that it's going to take to get through this, uh, where there work gloves and boots and shovels in hand, and, and we're going to slog through all of these important decisions until we get to the end. And the anticipation of that happening is very satisfying, even though it's a little grueling while you're going through it. When you're sitting in there and you're thinking, okay, I'm, I'm working on a budget, I'm working on a 30-some-odd billion-dollar budget that includes everything from prison cells in eastern Washington to foster children to every public school in the state, the public universities, colleges, community and technical colleges, a whole lot of stuff. What is the vision that you try to keep in mind as to why you're here? Every time we look at the budget and we look at what it's funding, I try and imagine, and it's not difficult, I try and imagine the people, I try and imagine the faces try and imagine their family. I'm trying to imagine how it impacts their quality of life. And honoring each one of those people and, and trying to put myself in their shoes. Generally, uh, as budget writers and policy makers, we're not always encouraged to think that way. We're encouraged to think about it in the form of trends or graphs or 
pie charts and not faces and people, personalities, and the challenges of life. And not being uh, particularly well-educated or trained in any kind of formal aspect, uh, my foundation is in the people and trying to imagine how this stuff affects their quality of life. And I think it affects people's quality of life more than they realize. And that's okay. It's okay. It's, but imagining that those things not being there, um, it's like a well-organized dinner party. You don't really know that it's well-organized if it's done well, but you certainly recognize when it's done poorly. And I think our job is to make sure that we do the things that the people need and not with a lot of fanfare and not with a lot of headlines. Just get the people's work done as efficiently in as much of a workman-type way as we possibly can and hopefully provide some seamless service. Getting toward the end of the interview here, I want to ask a question that I think is probably on a lot of people's minds. You're dealing with numbers up in the tens of billions of dollars. How do you even relate to those kinds of numbers? That's, that's a good question. I've always been fascinated with numbers. I'm not going to claim that I'm very good at resolving quadratic equations or any complicated mathematic concepts, but it really boils down to something I, I heard President Clinton say uh, at the Democratic National Convention when asked, what do you bring to this budget process that might be unique? And I, I think it is simple arithmetic. I think you ha you ha the, the numbers have to add up. You can't resort to gimmicks. You can't resort to fancy accounting. The money is there to pay for these services at the level that they should be paid for, or it's not. And people should be able to ask the question, why and why not? And what does this budget, which is a document about numbers, big numbers, lots of zeros, but more importantly, all the commas in between them. That's how this stuff adds up and becomes such a huge thing. But it's not just about numbers. It's about our values. It's about what priorities do we place on the things that we want to provide for our constituents and for the state as a whole, whether or not they have a dominant voice and represent high-dollar interests or whether they're just people trying to scrape by and have some stuff that they look forward to on a day-to-day -day basis. And I, I tend to think about the folks on the lower end of the economic scale. Those are the folks I like to hang out with. Those are the folks whose stories I like to hear. And I like to remember those stories when I get here, regardless of the size of the numbers. It's about the people. And those numbers have to translate into serving the people. This has been a terrific conversation. I really appreciate your spending some time with us. I always enjoy talking with you, Dan. That's today's program. We've been speaking with Washington State Representative Tim Ormsby, Vice Chair of the House Appropriations Committee. Subscribe to this podcast now on iTunes or at housedemocrats.wa.gov online and spend a few minutes from time to time with Capital Ideas. After all, this is your state government. The more you know about how it works, the better it can work for you. I'm Dan Frizzell for the Washington State House Democrats.